0: Your Bibles, please, for our second reading to the 22nd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. And if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, And with all lost thing of thy brothers, which he hath lost, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise. Thou mayest not hide thyself. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, Thou shalt not take the dam with the young, but thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen together. Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. If any man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasions of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my, thought, my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hateth her, and lo, he hath given occasions of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. And the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him, and they shall immerse him an hundred shekels of silver, and give them... Unto the father of the damsel, because he hath wrought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel, and she shall be his wife, he may not put her away all his days. But if this thing be true, and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel, then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because she has wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house, so shalt thou put evil away from, you, from among you. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then you shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city, and you shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing." There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save her. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife, because he hath humbled her, he may not put her away all his days. A man shall not take his father's wife, nor discover his father's skirt. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Well, a very adult chapter. A lot of uh, th- things to speak about uh, trying to maintain modesty and mixed company. So please forgive me if I'm a little bit oblique in some of what we say here. But the first uh, section is very, very clear. In verses 1 through 4, we're talking about your neighbor's property and how you care for it. Um, This is all covered, isn't it, under love your neighbor as yourself. What would you desire your neighbor to do if he found your stuff? Well, you would desire that he would keep it for you or return it to you if he had opportunity to do that. Well, you're to treat him the same way. If If it's a live animal... Uh, and you see it wandering in the field, and you know whose it is, or even if you don't know whose it is, you are to uh, take it and bring it to your own house, and care for it, feed it, water it, exercise it, just like it were your own. And then, when your brother comes to get it, you give it to him, just like that. We have a saying in our um, in our society, don't we, uh, children? You 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 may have heard, you may have heard this somewhere. It goes like this, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That is wicked. It's wicked. If you find something, you don't get to keep it. It's not yours. You return it to the person that it belongs to if you can. And if you can't, you care for it until the time when he comes looking for it to give it back to him at that point. Okay? Okay. So, so the, the rights of private property and the care over others' property. And, of course, this is going to, uh, this is going to apply to all kinds of property, but it also applies uh, in different situations than this. The general equity principle is obviously in the ox and the ass and so on, but it's obviously seen also, say, when you're invited over to someone's house and someone is showing you hospitality. You don't abuse that hospitality by roughly treating their stuff. You want to take care of it, right? So, and then for those who do invite people over, remember that there is normal wear and tear that your guests will have upon your stuff. But, uh, but abuse is not what we're after, right? That would be a violation of this principle. Okay, so then, then we have verses 5 through 12, and in, in 5 through 12, we have a proper understanding of separation, proper distinctions, right? Remember when the Lord created everything, that the Lord uh, divided. He divided, he divided, he divided, he divided. Uh, the Hebrew word is Higdil. He had his Higdilu, right? Those divisions that he put. And the Lord is a God of dividing. Jesus himself will say, I've come to set a man at variance with others, right? Don't think I've come to send peace on the earth. So we can all have one big kumbaya sort of hug, if you will. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to identify his people and not his people. And so there's a a proper separation that belongs to the people of God. The first separation is the separation of the sexes. Separation of Boys and girls. You'd think that that would be well understood, but not today. Gender now has become a mental construct rather than a physical reality. And beloved, this is absolute wickedness. Let's put it in its proper category it's wicked. In verse 5, it's very clear a man doesn't wear woman's clothing, and a woman doesn't wear man's clothing. And if you don't wear clothing, that also means that you don't mutilate your body to become another gender, if you will. If gender is just a construct, then go ahead, be consistent. Be whatever you want to be in the body that you are. doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Because things don't make sense until you understand what's really behind them and what's really behind them here in Deuteronomy 22.5, is it is for an illicit or sensual purpose that you would do these things. And that's exactly what we have going on today, even going so far as to mutilate the body. The only exception to that would be the poor uh, yeah, and I'm, gonna, I'm just really going to step in it here. I don't mind. The poor, deluded, and weak-minded children that become the victims of that garbage. Right? Jesus will say, Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. They must necessarily come. But woe to him who will become a stumbling block to one of these, my little ones. It will be better for him if he had a millstone hanged about his neck and was cast into the sea. That the Lord continues to show patience and doesn't bring a full measure of judgment. Oh, we're under judgment enough. We know that. But it is not yet a full measure of judgment is only a sign of his goodness and patience. I will not destroy the cluster, he says, because there's a grape in it. Right? Okay, so that's twenty-two five. Uh, girls and boys, I know that sometimes you like to play dress-up. If, if, if your parents allow you that, your pastor is in no position to, to, to forbid it. But the Bible forbids us from dressing up in certain ways when we play dress up. We don't get to do that. Boys, don't ever put on girls' clothes. Girls, don't ever put on boys' clothes. Okay? Don't do it. It's forbidden by God. And that kind of behavior only begins to weaken what God says should remain separated in our minds and in our thoughts. All right, so we move on to other kinds of uh, separation. Notice the Lord calls that an abomination, by the way. The next separation is how we treat the world around us. How we treat the world around us. We're not to be like the heathen. Uh, We are to do things in a way that's geared more toward conservation rather than destruction. God gave us this world to care for. So, if you're hungry and you and you come across a bird in the field, uh, a female bird sitting on her eggs, take the eggs and leave the female bird, so that she can live to lay again. Don't take the whole thing. Don't abuse the good world that God has given us. Don't become uh, abusers of this creation. Rather, be conservators of this creation. Manage it. Use it properly. Um, I am uh, I think that the, the uh, that the whole thing about global warming uh, is a scam <clears throat> okay i I don't believe that uh, that uh, that it is what we call uh, anthropogenetic that that we're generating the warming of the world, and that carbon is doing that. I love carbon. I think carbon's a wonderful chemical. If the Lord is going to expand the carrying capacity of this world to billions, maybe 15, 20 billion people, so he can save a bunch of elect people, then we're going to need a lot more carbon in the world. Okay, so I've revealed my own bias there. We are not to be, however, those who destroy this world. But we are also not to be the worshipers of this world. And let's make sure we get that correctly because many who are claiming climate change and, and you know carbon zero and all of that, really what they are doing is they're worshiping the earth and wanting to preserve it at the cost of millions upon millions of human lives. Notice, notice the goal of the conservation here in verse 6, verse 7. But thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest prolong thy days. That's the kind of conservation that the Bible speaks about. Not the kind of conversation, uh, conservation that ends human lives, but the kind that prolongs human lives. Okay? All right, well, let's move on beyond that then. Uh, we, we, we want to uh, protect human life, and so we'll stay in context here for a moment in verse 8. Building a new house. Uh, we're going to make a battlement upon the roof. We're going to spend the extra money that it takes to protect human life. And, of course, the general equity principle about that uh, applies to all kinds of safety measures that we take that, uh, that do cost something. But we remember also the, the, the costliness of a human life, right? All right, so then uh, we have separation from uh, in, in these next things, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Separation in the way that we plant, separation in the way that we plow, separation in the clothing that we wear, uh, and then separation not only with with regard to mixed uh, mixed threads, but also with regard to fringes. We're to separate ourselves from the heathen in that. So these are uh, no longer in force, yet the general equity principle of remaining separate unto the Lord certainly is. Um, so that when when the Israelite got up in the morning and he pulled on his clothes, he remembers, I'm separate from the world. I don't have a linen and woolen garment that I'm pulling on. This is all one thread. When he planted his vineyard, he said, I'm separate from the world. I don't mix my seeds up here. When he plowed with his animals, he said, I'm separate unto the Lord. I don't mix with the heathen, like I don't mix my animals in plowing. And then when I wear something, it has a particular sign on it that tells me that I belong to the Lord. So in the way that we dress, in the way that we work, everything about us should be separated unto the Lord. And of course, we get that in into the New Testament, right? Paul in Colossians chapter 3 will tell the slave in his master's house that you serve the Lord Christ in your service. You're not serving your master, you're serving Christ. Okay, now we have the more sensitive things to talk about here in verse 13 through uh, 21. That's all of a piece. It's about a man that marries a woman and he doesn't like her and so he raises a slander on her, right? He wants to divorce her but he doesn't have good cause to divorce her. And so what does he do? He raises a slander upon her, and she says, well, or he says, well, she wasn't pure when I married her. Her mother and her father didn't do a very good job of watching over her. Well, let's talk about the general equity principle first. The general equity principle here, obviously, is chastity. We want to maintain our chastity, beloved, and we want to maintain the tokens of that chastity. What do you mean by the tokens of that chastity? Well, it's different today than it was in that day, and this is where I'm going to bring up Matthew Poole. He's got seven reasons that he offers for this passage as to why, although it would be different, it is not to be dismissed. Okay, and so we'll not, we'll not go over those particularly, but, but I would recommend them to you. But it was a different age. Women were generally younger when they were married, and there were tokens uh, on their marriage night that they had not yet uh, performed the marriage act and that was kept up it was kept as a witness for them okay with that being said we don't we're, we don't really have that custom here how do we do that what are the tokens then of chastity well beloved they're very simple the tokens of chastity are uh, you never Uh, put yourself in a compromising position. You you remember the Mike Pence rule and its applications way beyond just going to lunch. You never put yourself in a compromised position where the voice of one witness and there's no one else to corroborate you says, you know what? He did something wrong or she did something wrong. And it's only one voice which would ruin a reputation but it's not actionable scripturally. You want to protect You want to maintain the tokens of chastity by maintaining, can I put it this way? The chain of custody when it comes to chastity. Right? What do I mean by a chain of custody? Mr. Alley knows what a chain of custody is. When you take evidence from a crime scene... You have, it's, it's put in some kind of container that is sealed. It is accompanied by two individuals as it goes from, from the crime scene to a storage locker, which is locked. Everyone that goes in or out has to sign that they've gone in or out. What piece of evidence they want to look at. They can never look at evidence by themselves. There can be no tampering with it. Beloved, don't tamper with your chastity. Don't tamper with it. Keep it locked up. Keep it secure. And I'm talking about all kinds of people here. Not just unmarried, but married. Keep your chastity locked up tight that that the tokens of it can never be brought into question. Right? Okay, so that's 13 through uh, 21. And notice that the man that did that Uh, That he was immersed a hundred shekels of silver, one of the steepest penalties ever prescribed in scripture for bringing up a false name upon a virgin of Israel. And then also he uh, he could not divorce her. He must take care of her all the days of his life. And, of course, what what this is about is, you know, some would say, well, what a sentence for the woman there. Certainly that's not her consideration. She'd want to depart from him. Well, maybe not. You don't know that. None of us know that. What we do know, however, is that her remaining in his home and him caring for her has the tendency to soften him toward her, doesn't it? It gives him a greater opportunity for repentance than if he just sends her away. Okay, so then we have twenty-two through the end of the chapter, and we have some different conditions. I'm a little behind here, so I'll, I I will be brief. But this is there's some really good divinity here that needs to be brought out. So, uh, verse twenty-two, uh, we have adultery being committed. The Greek word is moicheia. It uh, here it's 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 obviously adultery because it is a it is a, a a woman who is married to a husband. So she's a married person. The man, it doesn't say if he's married or not. It doesn't really matter. If one of the people is married, it's called adultery. What is adultery? has to do with breaking a marriage. Breaking the marriage bond. And the Lord says that the penalty for that is death. Now you see why you want to guard your chastity. The penalty is death. And we'll get to that in a moment. Um, then we have, in in verse 23, we have, um, sorry, verse, yeah, okay, be, 22, a, a woman married to an husband. Then we have in verse 23, a woman that is betrothed to an husband. You've made the promise. You have yet consummated the marriage, but you have made the promise. The penalty is the same. In scripture, betrothal and marriage are not two separate states. You're married when you're betrothed. You just haven't yet, maybe you're not yet ready. Maybe the man is still preparing his house, whatever it is, but you're married. You don't come together, perhaps, to live together for a time, but the betrothal is tantamount to the marriage. That's the scripture way, beloved. So don't give yourself away with a promise unless you mean it. Um, okay so betrothed in the city uh, he, uh, he forces himself upon her uh, they both die she didn't cry out if she was in the city notice the presumption this goes all the way back to verse 1 thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray thou shalt not hear thy brother's betrothed crying out and not go help her it's the same principle you're caring for your neighbor. You're loving your neighbor as yourself. You don't say what? Uh, you don't hide yourself. You don't pretend you didn't see it or hear it. Then we have it in the field. The same betrothed damsel is in the field, and we note the presumption of innocence for her. So she is not uh, killed, but he still is. So notice with regard to marital uh, Infidelity with regard to betrothed infidelity, and then notice here uh, we have a damsel which is a virgin which is not betrothed in verse twenty-eight. Then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife because he hath humbled her. He may not put her, put her away all his days. So, what is the what is the um, quote penalty for fornication? It's marriage. Why is it death on the one hand and marriage on the other? Because God has chosen to advance his image through procreation. And a strike against the image of God, a breakup of a marriage, uh, that is a strike against the image of God and must be punished with death. But if you're not married, if you're not attached, if you're not betrothed, then the Lord will be merciful to you And he will allow you then, at that point, uh, to to pay the fine for your infraction and then also to to procreate and to advance his image in that way. So that's why there's the death penalty for the breaking up of a marriage. And the same will hold true for all other kinds of perversions that we talked about already back in verse 5. All right, thus ends the reading of Deuteronomy chapter 22.